In this episode of Fintech Flow, we will get deeper into the world of corporate startup corporations. We will discuss what strategy a startup and a corporate should follow if they would like to have a successful collaboration. Thanks to my guest and to Fintech Camp Hungary and Beyond Banking Budapest, we have the opportunity to learn from someone who understands both financial institutions and startups. He is Daniel Collado Ruiz, CEO of Nestholma. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds, and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT certified fintech expert Linda Sharlai is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. Welcome to Fintech Flow. Please introduce yourself and uh, the company that you're owning and working for and passionate about. Thank you very much, Linda. So uh, uh, I'm Daniel Kladerwees. I'm CEO at Nestoma, and um, Nestoma is a bit of a strange animal. So I always start describing it as, as uh, we are a community of uh, of uh, big financial institutions and fintech startups with the purpose of doing business together. And now, how does that look like? Normally, we approach first the, the financial institutions, and when we have a partnership with them, we help them organize whatever their activities are. Sometimes we help them organize accelerators. Sometimes we help them organize boot camps. Sometimes we just have a, a more advisory role, uh, helping them tweak their programs to make, make them a little bit better or, and identify where the where the challenges are. And um, and then when we run a program together with one of the big financial institutions, uh, the startups that participate, we invest in them. So we, we sit in between the two worlds. We're part startup uh, or, or part venture capital, you could say, and uh, and part support for the, the incumbents because we, we have a background in which we understand both sides. In which countries are you working? We've been working in nine different countries. So we have a very strong presence in the Nordics because we started in in, uh, in Finland, but we're also opening an office in Spain. We've also had some activities in in this region. We've had some activities in in the UK and Germany. So uh, I always say that we have offices uh, in uh, in Helsinki and and now in Spain, but uh, in practice we are where our partners are. So when we have a, a specific project that takes make, keeps us busy for a while, then then we move over to the place where things happen. And there's there's a reason for that. That's also part of our philosophy. I, I believe, and this is a message also to the to the entrepreneurs and to the incumbents. Proximity matters. Now we live in the era of digital, and that's that makes things a lot easier, so that you're ready for the face-to-face meeting. But in practice, being able to have a coffee with somebody, being able to to meet in the odd moments, to to squeeze to to. Uh, Put a meeting in between two other meetings that makes things a lot easier and that makes things a lot quicker because otherwise if you have to plan with trips in the middle and, and so on and things get delayed and delayed and then you end up with the with the statistic that that i guess we all know that the average time between the first point of contact and the point in which you're doing business is about a year or more when we when we do an accelerator program, that's that's one of the more encapsulated models. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we bring that down to to three months. After three months, uh, then there is either there's an agreement or at least there's a clear plan on how to get to the to the to the agreement. And then of course, because each case is a little bit different, then it might be that in some cases we've had. Um, I think our our fastest has been in uh, in five weeks. Like bring the startup in five weeks. There's a, there's already agreement on on how to proceed. That's uh, fast. 
that is very fast and and um, there's there's obviously variability so i can't take credit for the five weeks i, I can <laughs> but uh but there has to be a bit of luck to get to those uh, those figures because there's many things to put on the table un- unless it's a very clear off-the-shelf thing like if the startup has a product that's take it plug it there's not much to to discuss in terms of collaboration and then th- those are the cases in which i always uh, i always say to tell the financial institutions if you're going to buy a product off the shelf then go ahead then then we we can't really help too much because either you take it or not but the startup is probably not going to negotiate as much with you and you're not willing to negotiate with them so there's no collab- there's no real collaboration they're just business what I would be interested in. So you joined and started working uh, with them, with financial institutions and startup three years ago. Yep. And uh, I would guess that there is a huge difference in how the big financial institutions think now and three years ago about cooperating with uh, fintech. Is it true? And can you tell us more about it? I would say a tremendous one. If you stretch it, so I, I've been in the fintech accelerator space from a little bit before as well i think if you if you look since five years ago to now there's been a huge difference and if you look 10 years to five years ago there was a huge difference so i think we've lived through a moment of uh, of hype in the sense that there, there was a point in which the, the incumbents were like okay startups the, those those weird guys that everybody's saying they'll take our market but we don't really buy it then suddenly the, the, the cards turned around and it's like okay they might not steal our market but we really need to have that type of innovation otherwise something will happen and then we need to take ownership of what will happen and, and i think that's what incumbents should do they need to have a clear plan of how, what, what's their vision for their role in five years in 10 years in 20 years and there was a moment of hype that that uh, there were many people launching things without much clarity on on what well like all hype cycles like launching things without necessarily much clarity on what was supposed to come out of that and uh, i think we're reaching a point that i I'm, I'm not sure if it's maturity or complacency because they tend to look very similar <laughs> because in some cases in some institutions they they uh, they are reaching a point of maturity they know what they're doing and the processes that they have are working well but at the same time if the world is changing at the pace that it's changing and then you think that your processes are okay then you can already call that complacency and then we're back to 10 years ago but with a different set of processes so i think we're in interesting times because even though some indicators might be slowing down a little bit I think it's a, it's a sign that that um, the incumbents are rethinking things, the startups are rethinking things. I think fintech startups are are also a bit more mature in the sense of how they can deal with banks. What's your role when you go to a bank or insurance company, any kind of financial institution? Do you need to convince managers about the importance of fintech or are you actually walking in open doors and they just want you to connect? The, the answer is neither yes nor no, <laughs> as, as, uh, as usual with these things. Uh, I would say that um, our role has equal parts of, uh, of attitude shifting in the sense that you need to talk with a lot of people. Some of them start skeptic and they might be a little bit less skeptic afterwards. Uh, it doesn't change overnight, so it requires a lot of activity. It, it, it requires them seeing what can happen and so on. What helps them see? Is it an example from another financial institution cooperating with the fintech or a demo of a fintech company? Honestly, I think that the part that I've seen most successful is is to uh, talk about what the startups bring, but in their own terms. I, I think that the, 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 the 
fintech startup ecosystem might have its own bubble of language of things that they talk about, and then things might be already. I, I'm going to go with the with the word "cool" with this level of ex, with, with a given level of explanation, and then if you need to convince a manager in the bank, you really need to have a business case. You need to have a lot of clarity in some areas that the fintech startup might not be clear in, just because they're used to getting told that it's great before they reach that point of clarity. So, so I think that one thing is explaining the, the, the case, past cases, or explain, I, I normally bring cases from uh, cases that we've supported and say, this is how the business case looked. And if you, if you tell somebody, so you're trying to maximize the, uh, I don't know, you're trying to maximize from the number of uh, customers that you talk to, how many of them actually become, end up buying the product. Uh, in this case, they went from this percentage to this much higher percentage. Now, that, that's when they start saying, okay, this is the language that I speak on my day-to-day. So actually, you're a translator, right? I, I, I have often described myself as a translator, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and also, that, that's, uh, that's one thing that helps shape attitude, but it also hel- uh, helps shape, this is the second pillar that I, that I say, uh, it helps shape, uh, we can call it competence, or we can call it the skill of working with a startup. Uh, because it, it's like for the employees in the bank and also for the startup, the skill of working with the corporates. Like there's a number of things that they need to put in the table and they're not intuitive. So mm-hmm. there's there's many patterns that happen. Like people say, oh, let's talk about that later. Let's first do a pilot and then talk about the final deal. And uh, for example, one thing that I advocate very strongly, if you don't know what sort of business you'll be doing in the future, you don't know what sort of pilot you need. So any pilot is is potentially a waste of time. Because you don't know what you're what you're looking for, you're just seeing, and then it might be that at the end of the pilot, you, the decision makers don't have enough information to make a decision, and you need to do another pilot, or you decide not to do a pilot because there's too much uncertainty, which is a, a reason not to do a collaboration. So, so there, there's I call it death by pilot, when when uh, when people push for doing a pilot, and then once the pilot is done, there's no idea about how the thing is going to continue. And then that's sort of patterns. It's not so much the attitude, but it's also putting the right cards on the table, using the right tools. Uh, it can be ours, it can be others. We, we use a, one tool that we've come up with that's called a collaboration canvas, which is a mixture of the, the lean canvas with, a, with collaboration elements that, that need to be addressed before, before rushing into things. You need to iterate, but you need to iterate talking about things. If you iterate ignoring things, then, then you're not really iterating forward, you're just iterating in circles. If I'm a listener working at an incumbent company, what would be your advice to me? As, a, as an incumbent that is trying to work better with startups? As Or maybe has not even started working with startups. Okay. As, a, as an incumbent who hasn't started working with startup, my advice is to first figure out internally what are you trying to get out of working with startups. And, and of course, like this is the sort of thing that we do, so I'm happy to help. And I even we even have on our website that I'm happy to do a free hour of consultancy. I think it's 45 minutes, but a free 45 minutes consultancy to talk about these things. But for example, are they, are they trying to work with startups for the innovation, which is the common thing that people, that people tend to bring up? But it's not the only reason. Are they doing it in order to get the final products that the startups can bring, or are they doing it in order to get those those same innovations that they could do internally faster? Those are two very different drivers, and then you end up working with slightly different startups. Then there's, there's the other, so apart from the innovation, you also have, uh, are you trying to make your company more agile? Are you trying to have your employees learn from the startups? The good stuff and the bad stuff. There's stuff that they, 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 they probably should mimic, 
and there's stuff that they should see and say it's good that we don't do it like that and then reinforce their current way of doing it because incumbents and startups are not the same type of animal <laughs> so they shouldn't copy everything but there's a lot of things that they can copy in order to uh, to adapt to, to the ever-changing environment that that finance has become and it's and it's going more and more towards that trend now if what you're trying to do is that then then the type of startups that you should look for is, is again slightly different and, uh, and the type of programs that you should do should be the ones that expose more of your employees. So the more, the better, so that you have more spread. So we even talk with some of our partners about organizing workshops so that the people who have been closer to the programs then go on uh, spreading the word, if, if I may call it like that. We don't, we don't call it like that, but <laughs> so, so, that, so that you affect as many people as possible in the, in the organization. Now, that's a different pro- type of program. And, and then there's another one that... I don't feel entirely identified. That might come, that might come up in my, my explanation. But are they doing this for the for the branding? Are they doing this to to show to the world that they're they're in, innovators? And then they believe more in their internal innovation, but they still need to show to the world that they're fresh. I would like to think that there's not many doing it only for that reason, but uh, there are some that are that are doing a lot of activities for the purpose of. If you have a good branding, then startups come to you. You get to see things, even if you're not interested in directly in collaborating, but you're interested in knowing what are the technologies to know at which point you will start with the innovation. So all strategies are valid strategies. Some some incumbents are more conservative, less conservative. Some incumbents um, have more capability to, to stir their company in the direction. Some, some incumbents have less. But I would say one of the first steps, figure out what is the what is the real goal the, the big picture goal that you want to achieve with those okay and if we have the first step then i guess the second step is that we need to start and try to collaborate and i would imagine that it should not be an easy task given the enormous difference in culture in thinking in way of work in the technology they use can you give us some great examples or ways how this could be more effective? I tend to recommend for, for most people starting their journey. They, they, might, they might have had individual collaborations, but uh, they're, they're starting to do this in a systematic way. I tend to recommend the accelerator type of model. It doesn't have to be an accelerator per se, but that type of model. Bring, uh, bring a decent-sized batch of, uh, of startups um, because then they see which parts of the organization stand it in which part of the decisions start to get some cracks appearing <laughs> um, and, and that always happens and it's not always the same parts of the organization because each incumbent is a bit different um, so then uh, it's a bit of a stress test to see if um, okay so what, what is your weakest point is it is it the communication between these two departments is it is it the i don't know is it the decision making of a of middle management is it decision making of top management is internal politics is it the the it development capability is it there's many things that can be the is it the procurement process is it so we we've seen all sorts more than i've just mentioned and each institution is a little bit different there's some patterns but most of them are different so if, if you if you do one case you always think that this was difficult because it was an exception if you i tend to recommend that anything between figures close to 10 15 startups then if four of them five of them six of them go forward and all of them trip in the same step you know what you need to address so that you become better at working with startups systematically okay and what about from the startups 
point of view, how should a startup communicate, try and work, cooperate uh, with an incumbent? I would say the, the best honest, uh, the, the, the best uh, advice that I have for startups is uh, be open and transparent. And, and it's something that goes a little bit, oh, you're in a very important meeting and you want to give the best impression. I, I would say uh, drop the guard, be honest, and then be clear. Because that, that's, the, that's the barrier that we see from the startup side. Like, at least the one that I would call the biggest. Uh, that startups, of course, they, they want to get an agreement with the, with the big insurance company, the big bank. So they, when, the, when, that institution te- when the person from that institution tells them, can you do this? They'll say, yes, we could. Every time you say a conditional, the other person understands a little bit less why you're valuable. <laughs> Because then you start growing into something like that is a little bit blurry, a little bit unclear, a little bit. So it, it's, it's good to be honest and say, this is what we do. This is what we are really good at. The other thing we can do, probably you can find others who can do it, but it can be an add-on to the product. But the main thing... The part that you won't find anywhere else, because if you're if you're doing a startup, you should hopefully believe that you're unique. <laughs> so the part that you can't find anywhere else is this. If you're interested in something else, let's we can discuss. But then that's a little bit we're we're, we're doing consultancy for you, not our main product. And and that's something that I think is very rare. But when uh, when people are capable of, of articulating it like that, it makes things so much easier. Because the people from the from the bank, from the insurance company, they understand what they have in front. They might want it or not, but they understand it. You're working in many countries in Europe. How do you see the sea region? How do you see it by itself and comparing to other European regions like the Nordic or Western Europe? I think regions are different because of their ecosystems. But then when it comes to companies, there's bigger difference often between uh, between companies than, than between regions. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that applies not, not only to banking, but, yeah. but everywhere. But that said, ecosystems bind the region together. I see the Hungarian ecosystem, my experience here, has been that it's, it's, a, it's an ecosystem that's very active and, and, and in the, with a lot of energy for growth. That's the impression that, that I got. That always means when, when, a, when an ecosystem has a lot of um, a, a lot of hunger for growth uh, and a lot of growth as well, it tends to, it tends to come hand in hand. Uh, then what happens is that there's many opportunities that open up, mm-hmm. like like for, for new players, for different types of players, and so on. Obviously, the one I'm, I'm most familiar with is the is the Finnish one. And just to put an example of how uh, how things are not correlated with uh, with stereotypes or with culture, it's considered one of the most accessible. Like it came out in some report as one of the easiest to you know, go and talk to somebody in the ecosystem, even though that's not something that people would describe stereotypically about Finnish people. Yes. <laughs> so, so it. it I think it's the ecosystem that that has big differences mm-hmm. more than the companies. Companies each have their own strategy, each have their own view, and each are their own little world of um, a few thousand employees. <laughs> If someone wants to learn more on startup and incumbent uh, cooperation, maybe your webinar could help. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? So we, we've been uh, running a webinar during the last half a year. All the all the programs had more or less the same structure. We brought somebody from a from a bank or insurance company, or at least a big corporation who's doing activities fintech related, um, and then we brought two startups. 
all of them who had had, have had experience in collaboration. And what we did is each episode was dealing with a slightly different angle from the collaboration. So we started from the beginning. How do you find the right partner? What is the right institution? How do you reach out to them and so on? Uh, how do you find the right person inside there? And, uh, and how do you actually get to talk with them? Is it one or is it more? That type of questions. And, and then moving on to how do you scope the projects? So or how do you decide what is going to be the collaboration? How do you decide what is the pilot? How do you measure your success? Uh, how, how do you how do you put things in numbers? That that was an interesting episode as well because, uh, of course, you have to. But at the at the same time, many of the participants were saying that there's always a, a subjective component because you need to leave room for how do you how does the collaboration feel? And then finally, what happens after? So, uh, a lot of people think about collaboration as a collaboration project to see how things go, but that's only the beginning of a journey. The 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 important part is what happens after that beginning. You, no, nobody does well actually I take that back the goal is not to do pilots for a living for a startup the goal is to that every pilot like ideally every pilot should convert into a, a customer a channel to new customers or whatever the model they're promoting so how do they make sure that that happens what is their experience how has that gone is it easy is it not easy do they deal with the, the same people with different people etc so, so we had really interesting insights, and I, I recommend you, you can go to nestelma.com and uh, and you'll from there you'll you'll find a link to our our webinar, and you can download all the all the episodes, and that that's a really good source for for tips tricks. I I, I was the one hosting the webinar, and I always ask the participants, so what, what tips do they have for 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 their future partners and also for the for the startups? Interesting, interesting. Thank you very much for a great Thank conversation. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, Daniel. I think we got some great ideas that hopefully can help us to better collaborate with each other. I will put the link of the webinar in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. Next week, we will visit Hungary's best incubator program, the Innovation Laboratory of the Central European University. Stay tuned.